embrace the negative, oriented towards increase, and oriented towards transcendence. No, this isn't Tony Robbins. This is the Mad Pastors, coming at you for Integrity Part 2. Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Welcome back to the Mad Pastors Podcast. I'm Ian Dunaway. I'm Michael. And we're excited to do Integrity, the sequel. So if you uh, if you haven't heard the our last podcast, which was uh, the one directly before this one, you feel free to go back and listen to that. Uh, because we, this is a part two where we just went, you know what? There's too little time and too much stuff to talk about. So um, if you want to hear a fresh and different understanding of integrity that's, uh, in my opinion, far more biblical and helpful, then this is the podcast for you. So let's dive in, Michael. We, we talked about last time uh, three out of the six different traits of integrity out of Henry Cloud's book of the same name integrity, uh, having the courage to meet the demands of reality. I don't think many of us think about integrity that way of it's all, it's courageous to not look at porn by yourself or it's courageous to try and be the same person no matter what. But we don't think that it's just courageous to meet reality. And the problem is integrity fails most often when the demands of reality are heaviest on us. Right. And so the, what were and the first heavier in certain parts than in mm. others? And that's, that's yep. the whole idea, right? Is a person of integrity is a whole person, so we're well-balanced all the way around yep. and able to withstand those pressures when they come up heavier at certain points than at others, right? This is all about, yes, this is all, if you're if you're listening to a podcast to figure out how you can trick everybody into thinking you have integrity or how you can get more stuff done that you want to do, this is not the Wrong podcast for podcast. you. Yeah, go, uh, well, I'm not going to name anybody's, but go find another one. Um, I'm sure there's many Christian podcasts that will do and be incorrect. I'm uh, sure. Or else we wouldn't exist. But either way, the first three things we talked about were, one, uh, that you have to be able to establish trust and with people. And that's essentially, we boil it down, and you need to listen to it before we're not going to go deep. But essentially, that's genuinely loving and being interested in people, not just looking through them or using them as a means to your end. Right. It's about caring for people, and that builds trust. With Connecting them. with them, balancing uh, vulnerability and power so so they yes. feel connected with and yep. they have confidence in your abilities. The next one is uh, to be oriented toward truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we don't live in our own blind little world, and we are ignorant of the reality around us. We're aware of it. Yeah. We're always asking how we can get better because we want to grow. We're committed to being lifelong learners. And, mm-hmm. and we want to improve and we want to get outside of ourselves and recognize that, hey, there's some areas that I can grow in yeah. and I need to, and I'm going to focus on that. Maybe it's even helpful to think lifelong learners and lifetime improvers. <laughs> yes. And then the third one is uh, that an integrated character, an integrated person gets results. And, yes. and we yeah. talked last time at length about how that's not just a how the most efficient way to get a checklist of tasks done that instead we're we're more focused on who we are as a person and it's mm-hmm. more of a personal development and for holistically approaching things from a certain way and we do things a certain way consistently then we see the results come so it's not just about a work ethic as much as it is who you are as a person and yeah. if we consistently do these things we'll see the results it's a, happen. It's a personal development ethic, yeah. essentially, and how do I do that? And, and so that leads us uh, right into number four, and I think that it's 
it's really solid. When we talk about, when you hear integrated leader, right, that's just a, a leader with integrity. And so uh, an integrated leader is equipped to embrace the negative. And this, no, this is not the Marines where we embrace the suck, though sometimes you do have to. Um, but embracing the negative, and there are, are several, uh, really six, specific uh, subpoints of this that help explain it. But part of embracing the negative is that we don't in- ignore the elephant in the room. And um, that, man, what a, especially in ministry. So I don't think, you know, we talk with people that are in business and, and no doubt the business world is still part of a broken world um, and still part of a sinful world. As is the church world. <laughs> yes. and but But what I'm saying in that is that there is a different dimension that even though there are many comparables, the bottom line for the church, no matter what somebody has said or acted like, the bottom line for the church is the human heart. And Jeremiah says the heart is wicked and who can understand it, right? And so we, I, I, you know, I hear this a lot and I do think that it is true in many cases, you know, hey, it's just like that in business. Well, it, it is, but also a lot of the things we talk about, you need to understand we're not just two guys two guys blowing smoke here and trying to create our own little kingdom. We we're in the trenches with you. There is, it's a, it's one thing to be able to say, I can fire you. I can get rid of you. I pay you. I do all these things. It's a totally different thing when you've got an elephant in the room and you have a whole lot of people. And then the first, we know the first thing that goes through your head is tithe. I need to have a full check. I don't want to have this person take 85 people with them. And so I'm just going to let this thing lie. And the problem is that elephants that stand in the corner, they tend to get fatter and ornerier, and uh, eventually you run out of space. And so, really, when we're talking about you know embracing the negative, it's not celebrating it, but it's saying, "Hey, no, I'm going to deal with it head on." It's knowing how to handle it, yep, how to resolve it, and how to move forward, mm-hmm. right? And so, when we talk about the elephant in the room, it is never a good idea when you know a negative encounter <laughs> or you know a negative yep. situation is looming. To just sit back and wait for it to come to a head. Right? Yeah, that that's, by the time that's it gets to, to you, <laughs> yeah, by the time it gets to you, it's probably already a shockwave. Yeah, you get in front of it. <laughs> a, a leader with integrity is going to get in front of that negative situation. Yeah. They're going to deal with it head on. They're going to address it in a, in an appropriate way, and yep. they're going to move forward. That's that's what we do. We don't we don't ignore that elephant <laughs> in the room. This isn't a huge elephant, but it was pretty funny. I remember uh, it being a, a student ministry where we had to do a lot of retooling in this ministry and working with leaders, and the leaders were the most unhealthy part of it. And we were trying to get this whole thing fixed and redone, and there were three different leaders that would not sign a covenant. And what was funny was the ministry was big enough that I was that I didn't always come into contact with every leader every week. And uh, you talk about establishing trust. I did that through the week. But on Sunday morning, I didn't see them all. And we had a deadline to sign the covenant. And I'd only been there two months. And I, I, I had two people, two different couples that literally, when they saw me and I saw them, was about to go talk to them. I watched them walk twice as fast as normal. And for four weeks and past it, the deadline, they would just leave. Because they wanted to lead, but they didn't want the covenant. And so eventually when I found them and I said, hey, guys, I just wanted to see, are you, how you doing on all this? And they went, well, it's just not going to work. <laughs> so they wanted to inject. And I found out later they were injecting as much venom as they could into these kids, which is terrible to me. But at the same time, I just laughed. I can't, whenever I think about dealing with the elephant in the room, I remember seeing those people running away from me. Running down the hall. <laughs> Yeah. So, so the next the next piece of embracing the mm-hmm. negative, so we don't ignore the elephant in the room. The next thing, we also we recover well, and, yes. and what we mean by that is, 
you don't let a negative encounter like ruin your entire week, mm. right? You you're able to face that encounter and then you're able to move on. I, I've known many people, pastors and non-pastors, who when they have a, a confrontation or they get mm-hmm. chewed out by their boss yeah. or they have a customer call them and complain about something or they have a church member come in and gripe about the music being too loud or whatever right. the gripe is, no matter how big or small it is, that it just completely throws them off their game. They're Ugh. they're in the yep. depths of despair for the entire week. They when they have to teach that next time, they're terrible at it because they're so worried about that one person that they upset and yeah. and, and just it, they let it ruin everything about them. And a whole person doesn't let that get to them. Yeah, we find a way to to fix that issue within ourselves, and when we develop that out of ourselves where we're not just focused on, hey, I had a bad encounter, and so now my whole week is shot. Yep. We address it, we have the conversation, and we move forward. 100%. It's, I mean, it is difficult, and you've, and that's, man, I, I'm just going to tell you, church people can be incredibly hateful people, and and like I said, we deal with the worst part of who we are, and pastors can be very hateful people. And so I think when we look at it, and whether it's recovering well from that type of situation, or maybe, you know, it's not a moral failure that ended your ministry, but you really have just made some big mistakes in your church, you will do more to show that you have integrity and to earn trust from, we go back to that first one, to earn trust from people um, if you're just willing to admit it and recover and say, you know what, I've done, I've just, I've had more respect for churches that I've seen, and I've seen a lot of this in the last few years that will come back and say, you know what, we've been doing this wrong for a long time and we're dedicated to figuring out the right thing. Sometimes it wasn't a a one-time mistake. It was just a ministry focus. And, you know, I think that the enemy's plan for us as church people, uh, as believers, as, as staff members, whatever it may be, is you don't admit it, you just change it quietly or you just keep doing it. And, and that doesn't work, which, you know, that kind of, that leads into the next one. And I think we don't often recover well because having integrity and embracing the negative, it means we can separate ourselves from the results. That is personally the most difficult one for me. Yeah, that that's something a lot of pastors struggle with. Yes. How, how do we separate who we are from what we do? And, yeah. and a lot of people have a really hard time doing that. And so mm-hmm. when when you preach a bad message, well, it's because I'm a bad pastor or I'm a terrible human being yep. and God's not using me yep. and I'm I'm just awful and I just need to throw in the towel and go away. Right. Or, you know, I, I put all this effort into this event and nobody showed up or they showed up, but they griped the whole time because we miscommunicated something. And so mm-hmm. that means I'm a terrible ministry leader or I don't know how to run an event or yeah. uh, I'm just an awful person. And and so and you might hear we, that from above because they feel the same way. And you're hearing that downward that you didn't you didn't blah, 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 because you, and, and that's that's terrible, too. And so displaying integrity and being a whole person means you're able to distinguish between the two. Yeah. Who you are, you know, sure, you preached a bad message. Okay, it happens to everybody. You're human. All of us do that. Charles Spurgeon preached bad, well, I don't know, he may be an example, a bad example. Well, none that they wrote down, <laughs> yes, but right. they didn't have video back but then. everybody does that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you are a bad pastor or right. that you shouldn't be doing this. It just means you had an off week or whatever, right? Yeah. And so we got to learn how to separate those things out well, and, and recognize that who you are is not equivalent to what you do or to what you produce. And I think that, I think you're, I mean, when you said something 
that sparked my thought, you know, is being a pastor part of our identity? Yes. I mean, it's part of who we have a calling and we're called to do that. But that is different than deriving your worth from something like that. And that's where I think we muddy the waters, maybe, or at least I do mentally, is if I'm having a hard season, it makes me less valuable as a person. And that's just not the case. And that's not the last thing you'll probably ever hear from us is, you know, everybody's a winner, upward basketball type mentality. We're just not those people. Um, We don't do participation trophies. Boom. Take that, millennials. But we want you to grow. So just grow with us. We love you. Uh, you're the future. Um, all the, all that to say, though, it's important for us to understand something. You know, we're all a we're all growing, but b um, we all have to understand that your what you can do is never more valuable to God and to others than who you are. And so that being and, said, and just think about all the terrible people you served with and for that keep their jobs and do well because people care about them and love them. <laughs> <laughs> Cloud says that that the integrated person that they have a sense about who they are that's rarely affected by what's going on around them, but that yeah. doesn't mean they don't take responsibility for it. One hundred percent, and that and that's the balance in it. All of this stuff needs to strike a balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so the balance here is to disassociate who you are as a person from your results, but that doesn't mean you can continue to suck it up. And think that, hey, I'm the greatest thing ever, right? Right. We still got to take responsibility. Because Jesus loves me. Well, he loves everybody else, too. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) we got to learn how to to strike that balance. But but the key takeaway here for this this, uh, way of thinking about integrity is that we are able to separate ourselves from the results. And we take ownership of the results. That's a big one. We need to understand. Yeah, Yeah. that is a big one. Because when we think of taking ownership of the results... We all want to take ownership when it's a positive result, right? Yes, yes. But but remember this under this this is all under the heading of embracing the negative. Negative. So we're talking about owning the negative results. This mm-hmm. is something that we don't do very well a lot of times. We right. love to pass the blame or to find somebody else, some other reason why why attendance wasn't great? Oh, is because it was raining. Yes. And so we'll blame we'll blame God for <laughs> our poor attendance, right? right. Uh, or you know whatever it is, we'll come up with some kind of reason to explain away the negatives and why we failed, why things didn't go the way we wanted them to. But we're going to be very quick to claim ownership on a positive thing, right? Well, and let's let's kind of just differentiate these like maybe it's splitting hairs but let's differentiate for a minute there's a difference between credit and ownership and so that's and that's and I think there's a great quote uh, you know by Craig Rochelle that would say if you're gonna take if you take credit for the wins you're gonna take credit for the losses too and that starts to get credit starts getting into what we just talked about about separating results and pe and, and ourselves and, and we have a false sense of value based on results whereas ownership, is is really reality. Hey, I did I did a good job preaching that time. You know what? And in the credit, it belongs to God and God works through me. But you can take ownership and say that was a great Sunday morning and I'm glad that I did or when people I hate false modesty. So when people are like, You did a great job in that sermon, rather than just saying thank you and feeling good and moving on, you're like, No man, it was all Jesus. Like nobody cares. And so and then you just come across looking like a, a jerk or whatever. I can't say the word I want to say. But either way um, at the end of the day, ownership and credit are different things, and you cannot take credit one way or the other because both will destroy you. They'll either prop you up or they'll tear you down. 
Um, and so when you talk about taking, like you said, ownership for it's okay to say, hey, we probably we could have done all these things, but rarely will you have an event that's just compl- or some type of ministry that's a total wash. Very rarely. And in fact, there's a lot more to say, hey, we're going to own that this stuff isn't good and we're going to fix this stuff and move on. Or, hey, you know, so there's there's a humility and ownership that's not yeah, found in credit. And, and when you when you see someone who refuses to acknowledge their own shortcomings or, yes. or they're they're trying to blame someone else yep. or some external factor for their shortcomings. <laughs> you don't, you don't look at that person and think that's a person of integrity. Do no. you? Right. Because, because integrity is lacking in that case. Yes. It, it's important to understand that in order for us to have integrity or, or a, a displayed characteristic of integrity right. is that you take ownership when things don't go the way you want them to. No being doubt. being able to say, yeah, guys, I messed up or I could have done this better. This didn't go as planned. I had considered this. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to mm-hmm. do better next time. Thank you for being patient with me. That displays integrity a whole lot more than, well, it was this person's fault. And, and if this person had communicated <laughs> with me and told me that they were going to do it, then I would have done things differently. Or, you know, there was this event, other event happening at the same time, and it got more publicity than I did because I didn't have enough budget for it. And, and so yep. we, we love to do the blame game. But if we would stop that and instead go back to, hey, I could have done it better and I'm going to learn from it and I'll do better next time. That shows signs of integrity. One hundred percent, and and so and, you know, I think that so the last two of them, the first one or out of these last two are pretty easy because uh, we've already talked about this at length, and so we tell you to go back to our um, confrontation set of podcasts. But uh, people of integrity and people that embrace the negative, they can confront productively, and those seem like oxymorons when you add that together, and because most of the time. You know, I think when we get the title of pastor, sometimes we think that that means that we either are or should be great counselors, great everything else, that we ascend to be more than human or are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, pastors are probably the worst, most insecure handlers of negative confrontation. And and that's okay to admit that. It's just not okay to stay there. Yeah, we we talked in, in the confrontation or conflict management uh, podcast and that resource about being able to have conversations in a way that is honest and direct, but you're not being a jerk, right? And and we mm-hmm. talked about leaving those conflict situations with a sense of hope, right? Yeah. It's, it's not a condemning thing. It's a, hey, we're in this together. We're, yes. we're a team. We're going to get better. I understand you better now. You understand me better now. And that leads to being more productive, right? And yes. so we are going to be direct. We are going to be honest. We are going to be forthright. Um, but we're not going to be jerks about it, right? Yeah. Cl- Cloud says that this is where you go hard on the issue but soft on the person, right? right. You're going to convey, hey, this is a serious thing that needs to be addressed. We're going to talk about it. But I love you, and I'm with mm-hmm. you, and I want to support you, and let's get better together. And I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable and uh, confident at the same time, right? So you're building all of this stuff together to have these kind of conversations that lead to uh, something more productive. And for the sake of continuity with all of this too, you need to be able to separate people's results as well from themselves in that way. Of, for sure. Of being able to say, like you said, you're not the, and a lot of that has to do, you go back to our confrontation resource and a lot of that has to do with conflict resource. 
Um, it has to do with preparing yourself too. Don't do it out of anger. Don't do it in a bad place. Do it in a focused and prepared way because that's going to allow control of yourself in those moments. And, you know, it, but then we get to the last thing and, and we did the same thing in conflict. We talked about this, but it's probably the least practiced thing in ministry. In fact, when we, a few, quite a few podcasts ago, we talked to Trevor Hamaker and this idea of, I take uh, toxicity with me where I go if I don't deal with it. Well, part of it is let the bad stuff go is what he mm-hmm. says uh, in the words of frozen, let it go. And can we, um, as people, can we let things go when people hurt us after we walk through, do we always have a dark cloud over somebody or feel like we have it over ourselves? You got to let it go. Rand, some people just never think there's anything. Sometimes you need people to admit that they have a problem, but most of the time we feel ashamed yeah, and, and guilty and we shouldn't feel that and, way. And what we're talking about here is when mistakes are owned. So you've right. confronted productively Ian, you and I have had a conversation. Yep. I brought something to your attention, and we had a, you know, it was a, it was awkward, it was tense, it was all those things that, that yep. conflicts are. And you said, "Oh, I didn't realize I did that, or I came across that way. I'm sorry." Mm-hmm. Then it's on me to let it go, move on. Let's yeah. let's just okay. He's he's owned the mistake. We've moved on. <laughs> We're going forward. Yeah. That's what we do as integrated leaders, right? Yeah. We forgive, we get over it, and we move on. That, that's how it ought to work. Uh, and so th- this works on both sides. Like, you, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, this is how you do it to to others, but also to yourself. And that's that's one area where I see a lot of pastors struggle because it, it kind of goes back to the uh, recovering well piece of things, right? right? That we can't let go of the bad stuff. This no. person hurt me. This person said this. This person mm-hmm. did this. I was betrayed by this person. And we hold on to that grudge for dear life, and we never, ever, 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 ever let it go. Well, and we also, I think, too, ignoring the elephant in the room plays into that as well. We let we let things that would be relatively small in the beginning become huge things, and it's ten times harder to let go of a problem you've let become ten times bigger. And being, like, I think, this whole thing, embrace the negative, can just be be proactive and direct in handling mm-hmm. things. Um, well, so that's number four and number five is a little bit shorter. Um, but it's an interesting one. Be oriented toward increase. All right. Every pastor that just heard that is thinking, yes, I'm oriented toward increase. I want to see my church grow. I want to see more people come. I want to see more people give their lives to Christ. I want to see a bigger budget so we can spend more money to, to reach more people with the gospel. That's what I'm thinking of when I think of oriented towards increase, right? Incorrect answer. Uh, in the same way that uh, when we talked about getting results, mm-hmm. we weren't necessarily talking about you know your to do list and the and the functions of achieving goals. This is not talking about achieving goals and and growing an organization or even a church. Increase yourself. We're talking about personal growth, increasing yep. personally who you are, developing, growing. We've already mentioned uh, the importance of being a lifelong learner yeah. and, and improving yourself over time. And that's really what the focus of this point is about, that we are a people who are very focused on incre- uh, increasing our maturity, increasing mm. our wisdom, increasing who we are as a person so that we are more better, more better. You like that? So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to increase my English uh, so that we are more better at, uh, at increasing our ability to handle 
the re- demands of reality. You quoted, it's either one of the, res- we, we put it in a resource, I can't remember if we used it on the podcast, but you had a great quote from one of your seminary professors that said pastors tend to relive the first year of ministry uh, for 20 years. <laughs> and so we, re- and, and here's, here yeah, I've They ne- don't have 20 years of ministry experience, they have one year of ministry experience, experience 20 times. That's right. And, and, and here's why. One, and we're excited to talk about uh, in, in a few future podcasts, some stuff in the in the near future that's going to be great and coming up to help you with this. Because some sometimes we just don't know how to grow. And that's hard because, honestly, we have, as a church, as a culture, we have forsaken a discipleship mentality for a follower mentality. And that's not what we were designed to have. And so nowhere is this oriented towards increase thing missed than with a lot of pastors who, and and I see this, I've seen it more and more, but you especially see it the more traditional you are. Michael, if you know, you remember what I'm talking about when I say that there are just pastors who they know what they know and they learned this and this is how it is, especially when, listen, if you're a pastor who did student ministry 20 years ago, I love you so much. Let it go. Kids aren't who the kids were twenty years ago. Let encourage your students to lead. Don't get in their in your student pastor's junk. Help develop him as a person. Um, And the same thing with it doesn't methods are many principles are few. But holding on to the same acronyms that you had thirty years ago and the same programs, let that stuff go. Personal growth means understanding that you are always going to be in a state of growth. And nothing is perfect. You're talking about like lead pastors overseeing current student pastors. Yes. Yeah. If you're the if you're the head pastor trying to relive the glory days yes. through the current student pastor because twenty years ago you did this and it worked. That's I had, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. I had, I had a student pastor. I've had multiple head pastors who and a lot and here's what makes that difficult. You tend to want to speak most heavily into the ministry that you did before you were a lead pastor. It's where your experience is. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay to speak into principles, but I'm just going to tell you guys, you, and, and here, some of y'all, when we talk about knowing reality, can't figure out why you can't keep a student pastor for a year or two. Well, there's a great reason for that. And I, I just speak from having a personal, some personal struggles here and doing that, that uh, when you talk, when we talk about being towards the increase, there's also just a reality that you have to understand that, Things change, people grow, and and you need to constantly have your eyes opened and be growing no matter what. And student pastors need to hear this. You need to not be arrogant and prideful and realize that you can learn. But there is probably no worse thing for the church than a lead pastor who says, well, when I was doing, I did student ministry for one year. I had a pastor tell me he did student ministry for one year in a rural area and we had just doubled the size of the student ministry and we're doing things he'd never done. And he went, well, I just remember when I was doing it and he was telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, that's so outside of being comparable to what we're talking about. It doesn't fit. And so, uh, you know, the, the first thing, and I think you, you were talking about this first sub point is you got to submit yourself to structures of growth. Right. And, and so explain a little bit of that. When I, when I'm orienting myself towards the increase, how do I submit myself to structures of growth? All that means is you are paying attention to the the things that you are committed to, right. the things that you are investing in, the things that you value. This is how, when we say submit yourself to the structure of growth, what we're saying is you are looking at these things, and within these things, this is going to tell you whether or not you are committed to growth, mm-hmm. to, to increase, right? Yeah. And and there's really t- simply two things, 
two structures that are going to tell you whether or not you're committed to growth. One is your calendar and the other is your checkbook. Mm-hmm. Are you That's good. Are you spending time on personal growth and have you spent any money on personal growth at all? <laughs> right? right? We we spend 200 bucks a month on Starbucks coffee, but do we spend 15 bucks a month on a book or on a resource or on uh, a service or something that will help you grow? Mm. Are we actually investing? Are we putting our money where our mouth is and in intentionally growing and learning. You know, one of the things that Cloud says here is that growth is something that happens uh, that someone has to engage in willingly. Yeah. You, you can't you don't happen. It. it doesn't happen by accident. You don't become yeah. very good at what you do. You don't become a very mature follower of Christ by accident. Yeah. You don't become a great basketball player by accident. I mean, certainly gifting plays into that, but there's still a level of commitment and development and attention to to practice and hard work that plays into that, right? But if you're not doing this, eventually your gifting will take you where your character can't sustain you. Yeah, and if yeah. so, if if you're not spending any time on it, if you're not investing in it in any way, you don't have any yep. skin in the game. You are not going to grow. You well, may learn just some some you know cursory uh, life lessons just from life experience, but you're not going to live up to your potential. You're not going to achieve what you possibly could if you're not willing to commit any time or resources to your own growth. Well, we'll get to this, but even with your, even with your staff and the people that you oversee or your, or your volunteers or your small group, whatever it may be, those that you are with, I mean, you know that you can't force a plant to grow. You have to nurture it and take care of it and do that. Well, talk about your calendar and your Money, I'm, I'm going to challenge you, you know, lead pastors and just pastors and ministries. Does your ministry calendar as well and your ministry budget, does it reflect that? Yeah. Um, we believe in this so much that we're excited. We can't talk about it now, but coming up in the future, we have some really affordable and cost-effective ways to help you and your staff grow personally and as a staff. But, you know, and we're this is something that is so important, and this this really will change the tide of the church as a whole if pastors would be committed and submit to growth structures. Uh, and the second thing that we're also passionate about is that he adds and, and being oriented toward increase is to submit yourself to someone further down the road. And, and that means what, well, you know, whether you, you know, do you have uh, mentors in your life? Do you have not people that just tell you you're doing good and moving on? <laughs> we have enough American idol moms out there. Um, and, but people that will be, honest and encouraging and real um, to help invest in you. Like this is, but one of the things that we have that we're constantly developing and adding to is the allies network. Um, Sometimes, you know, you may say, I just need to be connected to somebody in a totally different context, you know, uh, across the country that is in the same kind of stuff that I have, you know, that I'm in and has walked through difficult church stuff. And that's part of what we do with allies and mm-hmm. G6 out. We want to be your ally and network you across the country. Um, and that's, that's all on our website. You can be in part of G6 allies and creating the, the content that we create. It's all for this purpose. We don't think that we are perfect pastors who are uber successful to just so that we can just throw out um, formulas for you to get better. We, We've done enough, and whatever success we have has, is because of God, but we are regular pastors who know that formulas don't work. And we've been in enough places and seen enough growth with what we're doing that we know it really comes down to hitting the grind and finding people to do ministry with and find community with. 
Yeah, you you will you will not go as far as your potential suggests if you're not willing to learn from mentors and coaches who can help you. You you just you simply won't. And, and yeah, and that's not force. You can't even force yourself onto somebody as a mentor. You've got to build, like we're saying, build up trust and over time. But I've also had my fair share of that, and and so no doubt. Um, what's the what's the next one, Michael? So the third way to grow is by subjecting yourself to your own inability, Uh-oh. and and here's what this means: <laughs> you're not going to grow without attempting things that you are unable to do. Okay. So. Kind of like you got to stretch yourself. You right? got to stretch yourself. You got to get outside of your comfort zone. If you stay in your comfort zone, that's all you're ever going to get, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the the old adage is your your church or your organization, your business, it is perfectly designed to get you exactly the results that you're getting, <laughs> right? right? Yep. In order to get different results, you're going to have to stretch outside of what you're currently doing. Yeah. And, and so we need to, if we're oriented toward increase, then we need to be subjecting ourselves to our inabilities. You have to find some area where, hey, you know, we said earlier, you're going to play to your strengths and you absolutely mm-hmm. should. Yeah. But if you want to strengthen your strengths, if you want to, if you yeah. want to expand that horizon, it's going to require you to get out of your comfort zone and attempt something that maybe you think is not even possible. Mm-hmm. Get out there and try something. We're, we're a little too timid. We're a little afraid to to take the risk. We're risk averse. We don't want to try it. We don't want to step out and, and really make that, that concerted effort to, hey, I know this is beyond my ability, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot anyway. Yeah. If we would get to that point and, and do it, reasonably not you know not like six-year-old childhood <laughs> dreams of i'm going to grow up and be an astronaut right. and a doctor and a spaceman and a you know and all of sure. these different things but if if we put some reasonable expectations on it but hey this is beyond my ability but mm-hmm. god's calling me to it i'm going to attempt it anyway that's that's a sign that you're oriented toward increase yeah and it and it doesn't sometimes this is st- really thinking through and starting a ministry based out of burden and saying, you know, I'm going to, it helps you network with people to say, Hey, you know, I'm not a counselor, but we need to have a counseling ministry and I'm a shepherd. And so I'm going to start pulling people together to do this. Or it may, you know, may look at personally, I want to develop myself in a particular area. Some of it just needs to say, you can sit down and read a book every couple of weeks and start to grow. And um, that's, you know, I, I've had no less respect in my life for individual. I struggle to, I'm just going to be honest. Michael reads like he drinks water. I, I struggle to read like I should not because I don't think it's important just because it's difficult to quiet my mind enough to do that. Now I can listen to things. I can do that. But it's not the same either way though. I've had zero respect for pastors and it shows in their ministry over time that I have these pastors to go, you know what? I just don't read. Okay, well, there's a difference to say I don't read a lot, but then I met some that just say I don't read, and then I go, well, you know what? Then you're not effective, and you don't aren't committed to growing at all. Leaders are readers. Well, as Zig Ziglar was right, I think he said <laughs> that. But, but you know, I think that that's that is a big statement, and so we've got to be committed to that. I have I have zero respect for people that do that are committed to what they love to do. I have an incredible respect for people who are willing to do what they don't want to in order to get where they need to go. And yeah. that's that's what separates the men um, from the boys or the women from the girls. Speaking of things we don't want to do, uh-oh. The next sign that you are oriented toward increase seems really weird. 
Mm-hmm. It seems kind of counterintuitive, but it is practice the discipline of rest. Oh, rest. You're welcome. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but <laughs> we don't like to do that, right? We, we don't want to rest because we're driven, we're ambitious, we want to accomplish things, we like to work, we're workaholics, yep. and, and we praise that, and we've talked about that in our resource and in our podcasts on time management and all of that, so we won't go, we won't go into that, but it is interesting, isn't it, that he includes yeah. in an orientation towards increase this idea of rest. Well, that kind of seems the opposite of, of increase and growth. Yeah. But when you stop and, and think about how life is and, and it's just basic, you know, biology that things that grow need rest. Yeah. And so yeah. if we're going to grow, it, it requires us to understand rest. It's hard for us to do, but it is a part of it. So so we yeah. need we need to we need to rest. We, we even have an entire we have an entire resource we're working on right now that is just about rest and why that's important. But that is that is not just a biological thing, too. That's a theological thing. That's a reality thing that you're designed to do that. And the last of those, I think, too, is it's counterintuitive, but not as much as rest for us. But it is I think it's a great one is um, that if we want to be oriented towards increase, then we have to help others increase. And that is not only is that discipleship. But, I mean, you just want to think about the natural outcropping of that. The more people you invest in, the bigger your network is, the more you connect with people. That's a result. That's not the reason we do it. And the reason, if I want to be um, oriented towards increase, I want to be oriented towards raising others up. Why? Because if you don't do this, then you're not doing it right. But the more we invest in people and teach people, the more we learn about ourselves, uh, the more we are satisfied with the things that we're doing, and the world doesn't need another alliterated sermon. The world does need far more people that you have invested with, suffered with, talked with, invested in, and cared for. And so part of increasing our integrity and our character is, and, and really it's just a basic truth, the more people that I pour deeply into that know my heart, the more advocates there are and the more people that trust me in this world. And so, I mean, there's just some, it's just kind of a natural thing that if we will take, um, if we'll invest in people and take genuine interest and love in them, that really does more to help increase who we are than, than almost anything else. Yeah. It's, it's the second Timothy two, two principle, right? That, that you're investing in others who will then in turn invest in others. And mm-hmm. and if and if it's all about us growing ourselves and, and finding mentors to help us grow and we're learning for ourselves and it's all about us, uh, then that's then that's where the water stops and it needs to keep flowing. And so we ought to be investing in others as well. And so uh, that's a, a very, very helpful indicator that someone is oriented toward increase when they spend themselves by helping others grow as well. I don't, you know, and I think we, we tend to, and here's what the problem is. I think the reason this doesn't happen very often uh, has most to do with the fact that we treat people like they should be part of an assembly line and not like a craftsman comes to a project. And I, I hear a lot about this and I think that we get the verbiage right, but we tend to say, well, it doesn't fit into my system. I've created a system. You know, I had a pastor who created it. Was, I thought it was really subpar, but he created this really um, subpar program that he had been using for like 15 years and not changed any of it for 
groups of men. And it was fine that he used it, but it was like he would invite him and come and it was the same thing you've been doing over and over again. And what that does is that sure that puts a stamp on somebody. They walked through something, but that's different than really pouring in and getting to know individuals. And even with this guy, it was interesting. He would talk at length about people he knew very well, um, but he struggled to really know or talk about the people that walked through his course because without him realizing it um, at the end of the day, he knew the people that he had actually helped increase rather than those that had just walked through something. But that really, you know, leads us in, uh, you know, from helping others increase that leads us into this final trait. And it's pretty self-explained. It's actually the shortest of all these that we've done. Um, and it, and it has, it needs the, it needs the least amount of explanation. That's, I think, that's right? a good way to put it. It's, it's pretty simple to, to grasp. The final trait, um, that integrates a person's character is to be oriented toward transcendence and, now, granted, we we know what those words mean, and I think, but I think it's an interesting way of putting it, um, and it really has a lot to do with seeing the big picture. Yeah, integrity. Integrity isn't self-centered, right? It, it's not focused on itself. In fact, it has a good grasp on the fact that there is a much bigger picture out there than just you and, and yeah. your ambitions and, and what you want to accomplish and I your mean, goals. I mean, half of everything There's, in the last two podcasts we've talked about has to do with bringing other people into it. Yeah, and so yeah. we that, that's that's what transcendence means. It goes yeah. beyond just yourself, mm-hmm. and a person of integrity recognizes this and builds on that and and, yeah. and, and uses that effectively to, to grow a ministry or a business or their career or whatever. We know how to do that well. Yeah. Um, it's it's those that stay trapped in their own world and they think everybody is there to serve them and everything ought to revolve around them. You mm. know, basically the toddler syndrome, where <laughs> they are the center of the universe. Or it's just called being and, a cat. And yeah, well, maybe cat um, theology, not dog theology. But here's something really cool that that Cloud says about this idea of transcendence and not being self centered. Uh, he says that if we think that everything is about us, hmm. then we are reduced to a little world of our own making. Yep. And and 100%. pastors, church leaders, volunteers, everybody listening to this, please don't be reduced to a world of your own making because that's yes. so small. It is. The world is not about you. Your ministry is not about you. The church is not about you. Uh, the church is about Jesus Christ and building His kingdom, and that is that something bigger that uh, that Cloud is talking to here. In our yeah. context, it's it's the biggest thing, right? That, yeah. that we get to participate in that, and so it's not about you. And a, a leader with integrity is going to recognize that, hey, it's not about me. Yes. And yeah. not in a vain way, like you were saying earlier with the sermon illustration. Oh, it was just Jesus talking <laughs> through me. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Let's, right. let's be genuine here and recognize, yeah. hey, this is not about me. The church will be here after I'm gone. It was here before I got here. I'm, I get to play a part in this. I have the opportunity to participate in something really amazing. And, well, and that's what I that's what I recognize, and that's how I'm going to live out. Life. And I, th- I think that it's such a great point, and, and the way that you're saying this, and, and too, is it, it is you, it's a small world, but I think that uh, we have a counterintuitive response to it. If you're trying to constantly build, make it about you, and build your vision and your world, that's a reaction to feeling small. I think that that, and that's a negative reaction to it. Where I, I love, and I think this should be a hopeful thing. This isn't just a challenge, and you you stink, and you should get better. Here's what it is. 
you should be incredibly encouraged that there are always bigger and better things that you get the choice to pursue. Not your things, and sometimes they are, but we we think about all the things we've talked about in the last two podcasts. Um, making the decision to, to essentially orient yourself towards transcendence and towards something bigger, it really fits on every level. And, and let's just look at this in ministry for a second, um, ju- you know, for more of our vocational pastors. Um, leading, helping your leaders lead to where you can let volunteers own and do things because the bigger picture is connecting them and allowing them to serve and use their gifts rather than what we just want. Maybe as a staff, let's move it up now. You're investing in your staff and maybe you don't get to do some of the things you want to do as a pastor because you're able to see the bigger picture of your staff developing and being able to implement things they're called to. And then even let's just say you're a volunteer um, or just a church member, right? There's not just a church member. That's I always say that's just as a dirty word. But but you're looking at it saying, I'm just a church member. What do I do? And and here's what I'm going to tell you, though, is that realizing that what you do is part of a bigger picture and that even roles that you think are small, when we do them the way that God's called us to do it, they have massive impact. It's It really is this whole point reminds me so much of 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul just says there is a body that is working and the eye can't look at the nose. I think that that's what the majority of the church is. It's it's a version of Galatians tearing one another apart mm-hmm. and eating at each other. And then it's us always trying to figure out if the eye is better than the nose. And at the end of the day, seeing the bigger picture and being aware that things are bigger than you, that is a game changer that though it's hard to make some of those calls, you will ultimately not only be more fulfilled in yourself and your ministry, but you're going to have people that look back and you, this is something we talked about earlier. You may feel like I'm just a podunk bivocational pastor in the middle of nowhere, or I'm a church of 5,000 in a metropolitan area. This is the beauty of the gospel. Wherever you feel like you are, whether you feel big or small, what you do now is impacting lives that can move and go all around the world. And it starts right there in understanding it's not about you. Yeah. Leaders, leaders with integrity, they operate on a value system that reaches far beyond their own desires, Yeah, you know, and that, and that's what cloud means by transcendence. And there's a couple of things we'll end with this, a couple of things that affect it. Uh, One is awareness. You know, great leaders, Mm -hmm. they are always attentive to the bigger things that they ought to be investing in, right? Uh, They also will deny themselves when the bigger Mm -hmm. picture is at stake. You know, they put the interests of the greater good ahead of their own interests, and they're going to make adjustments for the sake of those things that that transcend themselves. And so these, these six qualities, they are integrated together to make up the character needed to face the demands of reality. That's why he gets the title for the book, right? And that they're designed to help you be successful in, in life and in ministry. And you need all six of them. Yeah. Right? You, you need all six of them because they work together. They are so interwoven that to be deficient in one of them has an effect on all the others. Yeah. And, and so that's this whole idea of wholeness, that we need mm-hmm. all six of these working together to truly display integrity. And when we do that, I think we're going to see... Uh, our ministry change. We're going to see our churches change. We're going to see our small groups change. You, we're going to see your professional life change, your personal, your family life. It has mm-hmm. an effect and has bearing on everything that you come in contact with. The world genuinely does not need 
more leaders and people who are making much of themselves. It needs more leaders, more believers, more pastors, more bivocationals and volunteers, all of those people that say, essentially that echo what Rick Warren wrote so so long ago that it's become a cliche now, but that it's not about me. And I think that this is the essence of that last point and of integrity that I need to work on me so that I can invest in you and I can reach others. And and that's really the design. So I hope that as you've walked through these uh, last two podcasts with us and and looking through this book by Henry Cloud, um, it's going to be connected to a resource that's up and coming. We're going to keep talking through some integrity in these podcasts, but we are, we're just, we love going through stuff that you may not often get the chance to read through so that we can help share what we know with you. So um, we love you guys. We hope that you're going to stay safe and that your coffee may always stay hot and your ministry always healthy. We're excited to see you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner. And we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode.